This is the Pastor Podcast with Randy and Andy. Andy Payton is the lead pastor at Methodist Temple United Methodist Church in Evansville, Indiana. Randy Moore is associate pastor at Methodist Temple. Their goal is to see Christ in everything and everyone. This is the Pastor's Podcast with Randy and Andy. I'm Randy Moore. How's everybody doing? And I'm Andy Payton. It's good to be with you all again. Andy, how's it been going for you this week? Well, uh, it's been a heavy week. Um, Of course, it's the 4th of July. Um, Went up to see my dad, who has got his challenges right now. But the thing that really is weighing on my heart is I had a friend, a police officer from Tell City. I was a pastor there about 10 years ago. And uh, she attended our church, and she lost her life as a result of a responding to a domestic situation. And it just, I don't know, it's heavy, it's sad, and it's hard to have that swirling around in your spirit. Yeah, this hits really, really close to home. I thought about you. Of course, I covered it on the news. Uh, what a tragic thing. And uh, I knew you were in Intel City, and I, and I wondered. I should have asked you. Well, um, yeah, it, she was, uh, Heather was her name, and she was authentically a wonderful person. You know, you hear things on Facebook and people talking, but I can personally say what a wonderful soul she was. And and I know the impact she had on the people there in Tell City. I, I was reading, of course, on Facebook, and people were telling stories about just acts of kindness that she shared with the community. And I know the community there really is grieving her loss, but... Unfortunately, this kind of thing has been happening a lot in our society, especially, it seems, these last few years. You have former churches, and I have former churches, and just because we've moved on and um, into new areas of ministry, it doesn't mean that we don't love those people that we served no matter how long ago it was. Oh, my gosh, and you grieve. That's the price you pay for loving people. You grieve. And you ask yourselves all sorts of questions like, I should, how could I have been there? I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have let that relationship slip away. It's been 10 years since we ever talked, all those kinds of things. And I don't know, it, grief's tough. I don't, <laughs> yeah. There's no way, there's no easy way out of it. It's just part of the human experience. Well, here's what's um, been on my mind this week. I, I was really happy with our service last Sunday. We had Undie Sunday. That's something that I did at, at Baker Chapel, my prior congregation. And uh, knowing that that's a difficult item uh, for those agencies that provide for those who need things. And uh, so we did it at Baker, and it was just well-received there. There was an outpouring of underwear, uh, new underwear. We did that Sunday, and then we also heard from the executive director at the EBSC Foundation Hangers Program. And, wow, he gave a powerful message, an eye-opening message about um, children in our area and what they don't have. And so... Wow, if that's not an opportunity for the church to step in, and our congregation stepped in and stepped up, and we collected a great big old pile of underwear for these kids in this program, and we decided that we're going to go ahead and uh, do that for the rest of the month and uh, and make that an annual thing. It really was an eye-opening uh, presentation that was given. What do you say? There's 22,000 children that are attending public schools in Evansville of those 22,000, 2,700 kids utilize hangers. And the other thing that popped out to me about that presentation was 60%, I think, are on the free and reduced lunch program. And it just the 
That's then, up from 30% only 20 years 20 ago. Year, yeah, it was, you said that's up from 20 years ago. And mm-hmm. just the need in our community, um, it was a lot to take in, that presentation was. Yeah, so... All right, we're going to jump back in to our topic, and we've been talking about the 25 articles of religion that John Wesley sent over from England as the Methodist movement and the Methodist church was getting started in America. And so for those who might be joining us for the first time, Andy, why don't you explain what those articles are? Well, they're, I like the phrase we used last time in our first podcast. They're like guardrails that have been given to us, passed down from John Wesley, which is, of course, the big name in the Methodist tradition. But uh, they are more or less like parameters or roadmap for us to understand how we might enter into a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. All right, so the first article was of, of faith in the Holy Trinity, and then the one that we're going to review today uh, came out of the sermon that you preached last Sunday, Article 2, of the Word, or Son of God, who was made very man. For that first one, your title, your sermon title was Christ, and then for the second one, it was Jesus yeah, I have a real knack for creative sermon titles. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I have to say, I just said this to you before our podcast began, like working through these sermons has, just in the last few weeks, strengthened my own sense of faith and my own sense of my experience with God. Because really what I'm doing is speaking from my own experiences as I work through these articles of religion. Because as I said, that's what they're for. They're they're like a roadmap that's meant to guide us into understanding our own faith journey. That you would benefit by it is not a surprise. We've noted before that we are essentially preaching into a mirror, so to speak. It's uh, it's we who need to hear the message as much as anybody else. Oh, yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times I've had people come up to me after worship. And they're like, Pastor, that really spoke to me. I'm like, well, I'm glad you got to join it because I was essentially just standing up there preaching to myself right. about what I needed to hear. So. All right, here's the paragraph on the second article of the Word, or Son of God, who was made very man. The Son, who is the Word of the Father, the very and eternal God, of one substance with the Father, took man's nature in the womb of the Blessed Virgin, so that the two whole and perfect natures, that is to say the Godhead and manhood, were joined together in one person, never to be divided, whereof is one Christ, very God and very man who truly suffered, was crucified, dead, and buried to reconcile his Father to us and to be a sacrifice not only for original guilt, but for also actual sins of men. Again, a short paragraph, a lot packed in there. Yes, as we said as we said last week, it's its own 25 articles of religion. There's a lot of different ways you could apply and think about that particular paragraph. But in my sermon Sunday, I essentially said that What it is telling us is that we as Christians believe that Jesus is both fully God and fully human. And of course, that's hard to wrap our heads around. What does that mean? How do we understand that? But in my sermon, I, to the best of my ability, try to explain a practical way to to see through that lens and to think about that lens for Jesus. Yeah, and your illustration in the beginning was... um, God with skin on, right? That's a very simple explanation of who Jesus is. Yeah, I mean, the, the way I've explained him through the years is um, he's everything that we can understand about God in, 
human form, God among us. The other thing that was interesting about the way you handled this was, I mean, if you listen to the paragraph, wow, you could get bogged down in some pretty heavy concepts, but you're always looking for the heart of it and the application of it. And then as I'm listening and taking notes, I kind of notice when you might repeat, and I'm thinking if you're going to repeat something that you must be calling our attention to it. And so your sermon was bracketed by this. You said early in the sermon, God emptied himself of everything but love, and toward the end, you challenged those who were hearing your message to do the same, to empty yourself of everything but love. Yeah, I mean, that's the simplest way I could understand the full divinity and the full humanity of Jesus. Uh, The idea is that Jesus laid aside, or really God laid aside, all those things that we typically think of when we think of God. Um, Omniscience, omnipotence, um, obviously omnipresence. He was a person. Um, He laid aside all those things that we think about when we think about God. And he essentially just became love and lived among us to reveal back to us what it means for us to live our lives in relationship with the holy. Yeah. And again, on that practical level, you talked about how it is that you have a relationship with this God with with skin on, and you said that some people have had uh, mystical experiences. You you cited Moses in the in the burning bush and Isaiah in in the temple, and that Jesus himself had a mystical experience at his baptism. And you said something that's really important. I think you I think you said that you haven't had a mystical experience, but there's another path to that relationship. And here again is where where the rubber meets the road. Um, it's about practicing the teaching, practicing the teaching, doing the things that Jesus asked us to do, and in that way developing that relationship and having that experience. It might not be mystical, but it's real. Right. It's, it's real and it's experiential. Most of us have not had that moment where the heavens split or the presence of God glowed through creation like some of the texts in the Bible speak of, or even uh, people throughout the centuries have spoke of experiences like that themselves. So um, the reality is most of us haven't had that type of experience. And so how do we have a spiritual awakening in our own lives? And the, and the idea here is we live it out. We live it out and we find its truth in living it out in a practical way. One of my favorite phrases, I'm pretty sure it comes from Richard Rohr, who said, you don't think yourself into a new way of living, rather you live yourself into a new way of thinking. Um, in the Methodist world, our line would be, you practice faith until you have it, and then once you have it, you, you practice it. And so you live it out, and then you find its truth in essentially running the experiment. Yeah. Wesley called that practical theology. Yeah, yeah. Wesley was a, a practical theologian. Um, and so most of his sermons that were given, I know um, he basically just stood and he would preach without notes. And the sermons we look at, Randy, now are more or less manuscripts, and he wrote those for reflection. But when he was out in the world, he tried to preach it in a way and teach things in a way where people could connect with it and understand it. These sermons have generated questions, of course, and we welcome those, and we're going to uh, we're going to deal with uh, some of those questions right now. So, how about this one, uh, having to do uh, with the second article, uh, Jesus being fully God and fully human? So, when do we think Jesus knew that he was God or or, or that he was special? At what point in his life? 
Well, I, my fear is I could get myself into a little bit of trouble uh, with trying to answer this question. So I'll, I'll humbly do the best I can. Um, I think it's a good, it's a very, very good question. And my short answer is he grew into it. And the scriptures themselves seem to point us in that direction. Truth is, we don't know much about Jesus's early life. What we really do know is his life post 30 on and 30 is kind of a rough estimate about when his ministry began. But uh, the one passage that we have says he essentially grew in wisdom. And I think that's what happens with him. He he grows into his understanding about himself and what his mission and vocation, what God's called him to do. Um, big moment, of course, is at his baptism when he has that mystical experience where he hears the voice of God and the heavens split open. But we even get a sense that he continues to grow into what that means for him, dare I say, even up to the cross. Um, he's even He asks some pretty tough questions if you think about the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, Father, take this cup from me. And then on the cross it is said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These are not phrases filled with confidence. This is humanity of a person wrestling with their relationship with God and yet what Jesus does is he lays his life down over to God anyway and God raises him up and so I would argue Jesus doesn't fully realize his identity until after the resurrection. Yeah. He was all the more compelling because of his of his humanity, I think. Another question, if Jesus came to reveal the God of right here and now, what do we do with passages like John 3:16 uh, or even uh, John chapter 14 where uh, Jesus says I'm the way and the truth and the life no one comes to me ex- comes to the father except by me. Yeah, those are uh, those are difficult texts. Um uh, especially for someone um coming from the perspective I am, I personally believe that uh, there's more than one way for folks to relate to God and understand God. And I believe those more than one ways of relating to God are, are authentic. And so um, Christian exclusivism is the technical language we use for it. It's, it's hard to deal with. And those passages certainly can be used in that way. Um, my response would be this, though. In John 3.16, for example, it says, For God so loved the world that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. We've been taught to see that verse through the lens of Jesus was sent to earth so that we can meet God later. But that's the thing about eternal life. In John's gospel, eternal life, if you really translate it well, really means life now that's reflective of the life that's yet to come. Jesus is the embodiment of a relationship with the God that meets us here and now, but he also points us to the God that is faithful and is yet to come at the same time. And so, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Come, I come into the world that we, where people might believe in him. Um, what Jesus is doing is introducing to us to the God of here and now. Even I am the way, the truth, and life points us in that direction. A way. It's a way of life. A truth. Truth is a way of life, too. And, and life, I'm pretty sure that's a way of life. And so, essentially, I believe Jesus... Uh, is the path in terms of he's the embodiment of what a relationship with God looks like. 
Yeah, there's a, the theological term is realized eschatology, and we get hung up on the eschatology, the, the end days, and this is a realized. We realize the end today, today. Yes, we look forward. Uh, my grandmother used to sing. You know, she would just break out into the song uh, just during the middle of the day, and she would sing that song, you know, Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. And there was that anticipation that, you know, Jesus is going to break in one day, and people really do look forward to that, especially people who might be under persecution or their life's not so great down here. But it's not one or the other. It's both, and it's certainly now. Right, I, and that phrase, realized eschatology, is a helpful one. Uh, yeah. You realize the presence of God now. Yeah. Which, of course, the presence of God now is also going to be later at the same time. And that, that points to, I think, John's understanding, gospel of John's understanding of what it means to experience eternal life. It's life now reflective of the life to come. Yep. That's that, John. Here's another John. <laughs> what did John Wesley have to say about other religions? Right. Uh, well, Wesley's world wasn't as diverse as our world would be today, um, but there are some surprising things uh, that Mr. Wesley did have to say. Um, I recall one letter particularly where he essentially says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, and we're good. And I'm thinking, as I look at our world today, that seems so simple, but why don't we do it? I mean... And, and, and one of the things I love about Wesley is he frees us up to be able to allow people to experience the God of their understanding and love other people. And as long as we're doing that, regardless of our background, um, our hearts can still be as one. Acts 10.35 says, He that feareth God and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And this has been used um, to explain that John Wesley referring to this passage from Acts, was saying, you know what, L let's just leave that into the hands of a merciful God. I, lo I love that. This John Wesley, who, you know, we get these 25 articles from John Wesley. We get the, the, all these methods, this methodical way of practicing our religion, but at the same time says when it comes to people who are not Christians, well, we don't know. L let's just leave that up to God. Oh, yes. And well, that's one of the things I love about the Wesleyan Methodist tradition is, is there is an, there's an ecumenical way to go about it. Um, as you're reading that line from Wesley, another one popped in my mind where he says, though we might not think alike, can we not love alike? That, that comes from a letter to a Roman Catholic. Um, and so there was this ecumenical spirit to Wesley that certainly I hope would live on in Methodism today. Yeah. In another place, he said that, speaking of those who have never heard the gospel, you know, well, if they've never heard them, then all the more let's leave them in the hands of a loving God. It's those who have heard the gospel that should be held accountable. <laughs> right, right. We're the ones that have the expectation over us now, right? Yeah. So. Okay, that's article number two. This Sunday, you are going to be preaching on article number three of the resurrection of Christ. And here's the, here's the paragraph, really, it's just one long sentence. Christ did truly rise again from the dead and took again his body with all things appertaining to the perfection of man's nature, wherewith he ascended into heaven and there sitteth until he returned to judge all men at the last day. All right, uh, Andy, we are recording on Wednesday 
I don't know this to be the case, but my guess is your sermon isn't finished yet. So tell us what you've been thinking about uh, as you're putting together this sermon. Well, you're right. My sermon is not finished yet. And at this point, I have some notes on my desk in the next room over. Um, The thing that I'm thinking about as I reflect on Article 3 is what does it mean to experience it in our day-to-day life? Rather than simply experiencing it as an article of faith, what does it mean to live into it? What does it mean for us to say that Jesus is risen He sits at the right hand of God, will come again to judge. Um, What does that mean for us in terms of our own experience today? And I think that article, I hope I'll be able to articulate it by Sunday well, uh, does have a lot to teach us about our experience of the God of the here and now as well. Yeah. And these things sort of overlap. Like last week, you spoke of of the resurrection Uh, because, you know, last week you were talking about you know, the word, the son crucified, well, the crucifixion follows, and so you talked about it, and you said, rather than argue about the, the crucifixion, let's just live out what Jesus asks us to do. That's so helpful. We get so bogged down sometimes in arguing fine points when there's a big old world out there that's hurting that, that we need to love on, and I think about when we're talking about those kids in the EVSC and kids everywhere who don't have enough food or enough clothing, they share a toothbrush. And so there's enough to be done loving God with all of our heart, mind, and soul and our neighbors as ourselves before we ever try to figure out the fine points of all this theology. Oh, absolutely. Well, and think about what Jesus' own instructions are to us. He didn't say, come together, folks. Let's sing together about me. Let's pray to me. Let's come up with creeds to argue about me. Right. Instead, he said, follow me, and you will find, really... The, the truth of what he's teaching about. And it's in enacting it that you discover uh, its deeper meaning. Well, the 25th chapter of Matthew, you know, comes to mind as Protestants. We're all about, you know, saved by grace through faith. But you don't really see that in the 25th chapter of, of Matthew. It's like, uh, well, uh, when did you feed me? You know, mm-hmm. you know so that's, uh, again, I, I, I go back to what we just did last Sunday, a very small thing. I mean, we're just going to make a tiny dent in it. But uh, we are saved by grace through faith, but that results in the kind of fruit of visiting the imprisoned and feeding the hungry and, and clothing the naked. Right, and, and the assumption you referred to Matthew 25, the assumption of that whole passage is that Christ was, is within those people. Christ is within the prisoner. Christ is within the poor. Christ is within the stranger. I don't think that's some sort of like poetic thing to say. I think it's true. And... How we relate to folks, especially people who are poor and are hurting, is a reflection of our relationship with Christ, is our relationship with God. That's what's important. Okay. All right. So that's just a little teaser. We don't want you to give away too much of the sermon. We know it's not finished, but you you can finish it right here. You know, right here, you can just finish if you have it done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll pack in my understanding of Easter the next three minutes. (laughs) But, yeah. Um, but I, I, I mean, it, it, going back to just the enacting it and, and enacting Jesus and living out Jesus' teachings, you certainly begin to realize Christ lives today. He lives within my heart. Yeah. 
And we we'll want to acknowledge here in the last minute or so that a lot of the folks who are talking uh, to right now, a lot of you who are hearing our voices are our own people. You are members or you attend regularly uh, Methodist Temple in Evansville, Indiana. And some of you are not. And you picked up on this one way or another. We want you to know that we think that what we're sharing here can stand on its own without having heard the sermon. But if you'd like to hear the sermon, those are available. You can go to the Methodist Temple website and, and find those if you wanted to catch up. And you can actually uh, worship with us live through through our streaming on Sunday morning at 8, 30, and 11. And we want to make sure that you know that you're invited to come and be with us in person, be a part of our community if you'd like to. And you're invited to, to listen in at home as you're doing right now. But we just wanted you to know some ways you might access what we're doing here. Absolutely. And certainly we want to say thank you for tuning in and, and thank you for experiencing this with us where we are learning as we go along just like everyone else and so um thank you we're grateful for you uh giving us your time as we were able to share in our podcast this week so this has been the pastor's podcast with randy and andy and thank you for listening have a great week and we'll see you next week This has been the Pastor Podcast with Randy and Andy. You are welcome to join us at Methodist Temple in person or online. Methodist Temple is at 2109 Lincoln Avenue in Evansville, Indiana. Our traditional Sunday morning worship service is at 830 with our contemporary service at 11. Log on to our website at methodisttemple.church. We see Christ in you.